Welcome to the Scariest Things Podcast, your gateway to the trends and tropes of the horror genre. I'm your host, Eric Lee, and today I am live at Crypticon up in Seattle, uh, which is the great horror convention uh, and festival up here in, uh, out by SeaTac uh, Airport. And um, I've been privileged enough to be uh, put on a a couple of very interesting panels uh, as uh, and I'm I found myself also a little above my it's like swimming in some fairly deep water where I'm not um, uh, completely the expert here but I had just so happened to have brought an expert along with me to help me out before we do our panel um, I have Terry Harden who is a uh, well, I will let, actually, Terry, why don't I let you introduce yourself and what your background is? All this flattery, goodness. Thank yeah. you so very much. Um, so, Eric, my name is Terry Harden. I'm a licensed mental health counseling associate um, that specializes in grief and trauma. And our panel this evening is uh, the DSM of modern horror. Mm-hmm. And when I got assigned to this panel, I was like, this sounds interesting. What is DSM? Uh, and then I, once I, once I, you know, did did my, um, you know, half hour Google search on it, it was like, oh wow, this is uh, a fairly robust, or it is the, it appears to be the diagnostic model for evaluating uh, mental disorders. Yes, correct. And yes. in fact, it is reading reading the the the, the, the copy of the textbook that Terry brought with with her. It's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition. 5th edition. And um, it is like all good science. Mm-hmm. It's, a, uh, it's an evolving and changing uh, manual mm-hmm. based upon current, current understandings of, uh, uh, of science, of, yep. of, of, of psychology. Right. Um, and... Of course, since we are, you know, this is this is a we're a horror movie podcast, and B we are at a horror movie convention. What we are going to be doing to, uh, in in this this evening's session is a a connection of what of of how of how horror movies portray mental illness mm-hmm. and um, the and, and and I think a lot of it is tied to one. The seriousness at, at which it is, it is approached, and and who and the quality of the director and the production team, mm-hmm. um, you do get you, the the there is a long tradition in horror movies to have uh, the mentally ill as the scary other. Oh yes, and it is the you know the, the, whether you're the serial killer or whether you're the victim, it's it is it it's been it has been a problematic. Um, I guess characterization mm-hmm. of of the characters um, for time and memoriam. Yeah. In, in uh, but things are, I think, beginning to re- the, the the I think one of the key things, modern horror. Mm-hmm. Like if we date it back, let's go back twenty years, maybe. Right. Um, let's go back to you know so the the turn of the century. Since then, I think there have been more interesting looks at. Uh, Mental health mm-hmm. and how it's depicted in characters, and I and um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll hand it off to Terry here in a second. But I I think a lot of it is determined. We we, we had a, an interesting discussion about this yesterday, where your your mental health 
for the characters, the, the, the stronger move is to make it about the character who happens to have a, a mental uh, illness condition. Mm-hmm. It is not, it's, it may be a defining element, but it is not the overriding thing. It's like you, you, that, that, that we are not monsters, I think is one thing that I heard you say. Yeah, yeah, that was the original title of the panel. Okay. But, you know, I, I'm, not in, I'm not in control of the panel, so mm-hmm. they, they toned it down a little bit. So <laughs> I, I am okay with that. Um, so why don't you walk us through for, because, again, um, I, I'm, I'm suspecting that a good portion of my audience is unfamiliar with uh, the DSM-5 mm-hmm. and, and how you break down sort of the, what, is, is, it, is, it a, is it a gradient of, uh, of conditions or, or is it a separation of categories where you're talking about paranoia and depression and, 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 are there, and, and are there stages within, within those, those groupings? Or how, do, how, does this, how does this all work? Is there a fundamental baseline that we can work with when we're talking about DSM? Right. So as a counselor and um, anybody that falls under that, therapist, counselor, psychiatrist, psychologist, um, we all have to make sure that we're making diagnosis correctly. Um, and so there's certain criteria you, a person has to meet to be able to be like, okay, well, this person has BPD, which is bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to meet most, if not all of those markers, right? Um, but then it also helps us see, you know, comorbidity and um, cross-sectional, I know, big words, <laughs> cro- cross-sectional diagnosis. I'm hanging for the moment. I'm hanging. Oh, okay. I'm going to explain. Okay. But, um, but that means it is possible that somebody can have two major disorders instead of, okay, well, they don't meet all of Mm -hmm. the borderline personality disorders. They also meet major depressive disorders. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead of just lumping them into one, we're going to say, okay, they have two, you know, so Mm -hmm. they meet most, if not all of this and most, if all this. So that's like Mm -hmm. their, their dual diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And and is there a level in, in the diagnosis when they're considered to be dangerous to themselves and dangerous to others? Um, or is it, or, or, or is it, um, sort of a case by case kind of a thing and it just sort of falls under a general umbrella? Uh, that really kind of spills more over into proper evaluations, which all, all mental health clients, patients, whatever you call them, need to have proper assessments. I have to just put that out there Mm -hmm. and that's a step above me. So that would be your psychiatrist, your doctors, your prescribers, Mm -hmm. um, and they would do proper assessments. Mm-hmm. And those assessments would follow a particular in-depth criteria about, okay, well, they are showing, again, let's just stick with borderline personality disorder. Um, they're showing signs of this, but they're also showing strong homicidal ideations mm-hmm. or strong suicidal ideations. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that will lead to another assessment. So it's really a battery of assessments. Okay that they perform or at least they should be performing. So and it, and and from your your position as a therapist do you do diagnoses on on this or do you or do you do identifications? I do on a base level, but I will also work very closely with those that are doing the assessments. Mm-hmm. So me and their prescriber, me and their psychiatrist are working together to make sure that we're both seeing the same thing, mm-hmm. um, that we're both along the same line. So there's big, strong communication, which I'm very thankful for. So 
given that, so with with your background mm-hmm. and the fact that you love horror movies, <laughs> I mean that's what that that's what brings you here, and that's why you're moderating these panels. Um, can you explain your love for? And I know that's another thing that you're going to be talking about. You have another panel about why you love horror movies yeah. from from the uh, from. Well, I, I, maybe you can better explain what that that panel is, but I know that you have an abiding love for horror movies, and that you have. Um, or, or what 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 got you to this this particular place? Well, okay, so um, I have always loved horror. I mm-hmm. kind of always wondered why, because just a little bit of personal sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a very traumatic background, mm-hmm. and when I actually got into psychology and started learning, I started assessing myself. Mm-hmm. Like, well, why would somebody with a trauma background love horror so mm-hmm. much? And that's kind of what my panel is today, Mm -hmm. is why do we like horror, especially from a psychological point of view, Mm -hmm. right? Because anybody could sit here and say, Eric, why Mm -hmm. do you like horror? And you'd be like, oh, I like this element, this element, and this element. But obviously, the deeper I got into my own research of myself, Mm -hmm. the more I became interested, well, okay, well, why do people with, say, trauma, PTSD, anxiety disorders, depression... Why why do we like horror when it can be very triggering? Well, yeah, and I think that there, I, I know on the scariest things we had um, a similar kind of a it was a breakdown, and I forget what the and, and my apologies for not actually having having all the categorical mm-hmm. w- ways that why people would would arrive at horror as an outlet. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is a sort of a transference of of feelings from one th- from from their current condition to another something mm-hmm. that might be empowering or something that yeah. shows the defeat that there or, or sometimes it's it is a it's a vent it is a it is a way to relieve some of the pressures that are upon you by mm-hmm. or and, and then some of it's it's like fantasi- fantasizing about things that are not allowable yeah and allowing you to sort of find an expression of that but there's so there's there seems to be a multitude of reasons, and I, I it'll be I, I'll I'll probably be in attendance to listen to see how the conversation goes Yay. to see, because um, everybody's got a different may have a different reason. Yes, because um, like there there are uh, you know like for me escapism is definitely part of it. Yep. Um, uh, there are some like, but I will always. I'm almost always rooting for the protagonists. Yes. Uh, there are some people out there who root, and it, I think Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers have devoted legions of fans. We have people who will dress up here at the convention. Oh, yes. And and it's like, and they want to be, you know, it's like the same reason why you get really get into Halloween. You get to disassociate yourself from your normal everyday life and you get to imagine you know, the, the, the transference of power in, right. in some ways. And it's like, I'm going to dress up like um, Art the Clown. There's right. a great Art the Clown here, by the way, folks. If I can get a picture of him, I'm going to take a picture of this guy. He looks fantastic to the point when I stepped in the elevator with him and it made me really uneasy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, or, or you know, the adrenaline rush. Some people are yes. adrenaline junkies yes. and like that sensation of the, the heat up and cool down. But these are all more like pop psychology kind of things mm-hmm. that, or that, that we've dug up. Um, how much of, of the DSM manual do you think can you find, find applications to reactions to horror movies? Or maybe more than that, 
Maybe this is, or maybe your fascination is more about the depictions of how these characters are within there, within there, and how they fit the model. Well, my fascination was really obviously me first. Like again, mm-hmm. somebody with a trauma background. Why mm-hmm. in the world do I like all this traumatic stuff? Well, ultimately, there has been a little research out there, and also forgive me, I don't have all my resources, yeah. but there has been some researches put out there about the studies of this, but they're also pop studies, right? Yeah. It's it's just stuff that you can find on like you know psychology.com, which yeah. is, is still a good thing, but um, actual general research I haven't found a lot of, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I'm working on is I want to know why, mm-hmm. and from what the experience that I have and other professionals that I've discussed with mm-hmm. and either other people just in my life, mm-hmm. it's, it's really about control. Mm-hmm. It is controlled anxiety. They have the power mm-hmm. to turn off the TV. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they can get, you know, because trauma sends us all into heightened states of, you know, everything's on a heightened level. Yep. Everything is just sometimes through the roof and, we get used to that, yeah. right? Hyper awareness. We get right. used to our surroundings and we get used to everything because we're so used to that. Well, people that have regulated their emotional and their nervous nervous system, their sympathetic nervous system, they have learned to regulate that. Mm-hmm. This is a way to kind of get that boost. Yep. You can get that boost, but you're still in control. Yep. If you are too upset, too triggered, too anything, you can cut it off. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people with traumatic backgrounds do not have that power. Mm-hmm. They did not come from that having that power. Mm-hmm. They don't have it now, whatever their story is. But horror allows us to control that narrative. So you personally, have, coming from a traumatic background, have mm-hmm. you found that it is part of your recovery process to watch horror movies? Do you, do, do you use that as a... Um, as a way to... What, what do you call it? If you're... Um, in, in our day-to-day lives, mm-hmm. we're not chased by demons. Right. Um, there is the very, in most most of our cases, it's not somebody hunting you. Right. Um, and, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and to get that elevated mm-hmm. adrenaline push and watching other characters having to, it's like, I can, like, okay, I might have it bad, but I don't have it bad as that guy. Mm-hmm. Or, or I, or the, the, you know, the, the the well-worn trope of the final girl. Right. It's like, I can over, I can overcome, you know, despite the power and the evil right. of, of, of the opponent or the, the antagonist, I can win. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a normal person with normal means, unless you're Sharni Vincent in, in, in your next, where you actually happen to be a fairly robust, oh, <laughs> where, yes. where you have, you take the power into your own hands because, yeah. because you've been trained. Um, the, the 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 I think that there's a lot of interesting value in horror movies, mm-hmm. and I think the reason why the the final girl has been so successful is that it's an identifiable that they that they took someone who was supposedly weak and vulnerable and made her into the survivor against against all odds against something that that is uh, much more powerful, and the odds are stacked against this character. Mm-hmm. I think that's. Um, a a a well worn and handy trope that almost is evergreen. Yeah. Um, however, I think that the nuances now are that we're not going to have your Sally Hardesty types as often as you're going to get more of your Ripley types. I think that there's that your final girls now like Sharni Vincent mm-hmm. 
are better equipped to handle some of these things, or that they, the uh, was it Happy Death Day is another one where you get yeah. where you get um, uh, Tree is actually she can she can deal with her conditions with smarts and a good sense of humor, mm-hmm. um, but they're normal people, right. right? And that's us, right? And 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 the things that they are fighting are not us, and more often than not, then they they win. But what's your take? When they lose, your night of the living deads, your 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 classic bleak horror movie ending, because that because you talk about triggering, right? And then and 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 if you are a a, a someone who suffers from trauma, watching something like Hereditary, right, which completely blows up everything and makes it feel like you got kicked in the stomach at the end, is right? It, does is that helpful or not helpful? Uh, it really depends on the person. That is the best answer I can get because Mm -hmm. some people, um, depending on their mental health journey, if they're on one, right, Mm -hmm. whether it's a journey from self or getting aid from a professional, Mm -hmm. um, wherever their mental health journey is really depends on their reaction. Mm -hmm. Because again, you know, some people are going to be all like very sympathetic or they're going to be very empathetic. They're going to be very moved, touched. They, Mm -hmm. again, triggered being the word, um, and some people may just be like, oh, well, you know, that sucks. And they're mm-hmm. okay. I mean, they realize that this is just a movie, right? right. They're, they're able to do that. But again, I, I feel like it really just depends on the person and where they're mm-hmm. at. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the ugly terrors that, in, that, that have, have been set upon our society of the moment often get pushed off the, 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 uh, the live shooter. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Right, yeah. And doesn't show up very often in horror movies, even though it may be the most horrifying thing that any of us could reasonably expect. Yeah. Is is showing up at a uh, at a theater or a or a or a shopping mall or a church, and then having someone show up with a a, a automatic rifle. Right. Right. That's and unfortunately, it seems to be a monthly occurrence in this country. Mm-hmm. And then it all and often gets pawned off on as it's not a gun problem; it's a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, that, that that's, to me, you know, there's, there's a lot of short shrift there. And, and I don't know, like, certainly there's some, in order for somebody to do that, there is a, a sociological disconnect, uh-huh. right, uh, of, of, you know, the right and wrong. And, you know, the, that uh, in their, I, I think classically, and you see this in horror movie villains too, is in some of the best horror movie villains, or villains in general, is that they're the heroes in their own story. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And whether that's something that... Um, is that... Are, you know, is, 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 that, is that kind of a notion... Is that like the, the, that kind of a sociopath right now? And as they talk about, well, you know, treatment. You got to like deal with these things. But, but sometimes it's sort of... It, it, it's in this modern media age of being convinced that what you're doing is not wrong. That, you're, that what... What you're doing is actually um, standing up for your rights or your your beliefs, and that you're going to you're going to make a statement through violence, uh-huh. right? And and the level of of the mental illness that will allow you to go like I don't I, I, would it, would it be fair to say that just the act of killing somebody in itself doesn't necessarily mean you're mentally ill. That's kind of difficult, but I would say, you know, not all people that are mentally ill or have a mental ill diagnosis is going to go out 
and pick up a gun. That's right. They're, I mean, they're just not. Um, I think mental illness sometimes is a scapegoat, too. Mm-hmm. I feel that some people, like, I plead insanity. Yep. I plead mental illness. Um, and sometimes they do that without proper assessment. They'll mm-hmm. just say, oh, I was mentally ill or, oh, that. Mm-hmm. And without proper assessment, you know, you can't determine that. Right. Yeah, because it is, um, if you can determine right from wrong. Right. And then you understand what it means to take someone's life. Right. Um, and you're just, you're just a mean bastard. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if you don't like somebody, you're a racist or, you know, you're homophobic or you're, or you're, or you're jealous or, you know, there's, and there's all other kinds of things. And there's, you know, why people would do something horrible to somebody else. Not always. It's like, and, and I think that, that, that it's an off, I guess, long story short, using mental illness as a crutch is a, is a cheap out. And is a, is a, you know, in, 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 in my mind, like they, they, that to try and, and blanket those kinds of statements fair, Mm-hmm. Th- that would be un- unfair to lump them into mental illness, which is becomes the boogeyman. Yeah, a- and um, you know how how do you do you do you do you believe that that horror horror can control some of the stigma? And I think it's be- it's kind of getting that way a little bit mm-hmm. um, against you know what does it mean to be a a, a character with uh, mental illness, Baba Duck, yes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, you you were referring to Relic, I think, right? Uh, I which is a movie that's on my to see list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I and and I think I, because it deals with dementia and my father has dementia, it makes things very yeah. Uh, that that's going to become one that hopefully I can watch it and have a maybe a, at least a personal insight or appreciation for some of these things, right? Um, but but how do you see how do you see those things playing uh, the the um, the oh, how 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 do we go about this um, the ability to message um, how a character is processing mental illness and and watching them deal with and overcome their problems which is which is I think newer. On on the horror scene, and, I, and again, uh, my favorite one to reference is Babadook. Right. Right. Um, do you do you see uh, when films actually show a a process of uh, that they that they overcome their demons? That this is that that's, that's helpful. Yeah, I mean, I, it absolutely can be helpful, but again, it depends on the person, right? Mm-hmm. What state of mind are they watching the movie? Are they getting anything? Because some people don't deep dive into movies like I do or mm-hmm. like you do, right? Right. Um, some, they just want to watch it for entertainment value, mm-hmm. which is perfectly fine. But mm-hmm. if you deep dive into it, it really depends on the person. Because, uh, you know, again, me personally, as a person and a professional, I love seeing the process, mm-hmm. especially being a grief and trauma counselor, talking mm-hmm. about the Duke, watching the grief process. And even like you were talking about Hereditary yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Um, all you were naming all the stages of grief. Yeah. There was yeah. Well, you had you had um, Annie. Yeah, portrayed by the family. Yeah, so yeah, per- the, the, personifications right. of these stages. The, 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 and the each would. I thought it was very interesting how a death in the family, the matriarch of the family, sent all the family members to their own corners. They, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, they didn't confide in each other. 
mm-hmm. they went their own routes. Um, that uh, Annie went to counseling sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Peter went to went to marijuana use and just getting just to try and try and escape. Charlie went to creating creepy creepy things out of dead birds and right, toys right. and then and then the father I didn't forget the father's name was in denial right um, and they were all handling it different ways it didn't end well for any of them unfortunately mm-hmm. but it was very interesting to see how that kind of a shattering event people will will go to different like this different paths to try and try and handle it it didn't help that there was an d- actual demon involved but right yeah but it's a metaphor yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes back to something you just said earlier, too, about, you know, we're fighting invisible demons, mm-hmm. or this is the personification, or, you know, and just what you said, you know, this is this is how we perceive what this monster would look like, right? Yeah. Well, what do they call mental illness? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the oh, invisible a, disability, yeah. right? Yeah. And And every person that you talk to that has a mental illness, somebody's going to have a different view like Mm -hmm. this is how I view my depression this is how I view my grief Mm -hmm. this is how I view and if if and and some that do art therapy when they draw it Mm -hmm. it's monstrous it's absolutely monstrous especially when you get to the really deep deep mental illnesses Mm -hmm. like schizophrenia borderline personality Mm -hmm. disorder DID which is a debated uh, you know we we were just talking about split Split, oh, <laughs> split, <laughs> split <for> hit <laughs> and a miss. Yeah, but you know, even you know, even if it's though it's debated, it's it's still out there. And if you were to say, would you describe this to me? Would you draw mm-hmm. this to me? Some mm-hmm. some of it is actually monstrous, mm-hmm. and you can totally see how somebody with grief, depression, anxiety, how that m- mental illness. That defect, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, the invisible disability, how that can manifest mm-hmm. to them. So, um, grief now is is something newer on the scene relative to the DSM, uh, and whether that that's you know because it's not because everybody experiences grief to some degree at absolutely some point. Um, the loss of um, of a family member or a pet or a job or you know the absolutely so that as a you know um as a condition like it's a could be hopefully a temporary condition that you'll get over it Mm -hmm. but some people it lasts with them forever Mm -hmm. the loss of a parent who's particularly close i have an aunt who still hasn't gotten 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 over the loss of my grandmother Uh and she has had to be institutionalized for a period Mm. she just and she can't she she most of her behavior is sort of just sort of self-destructive of spending habits and and inability to hold a job and those kinds of not it's not not a violent thing but it is still something that we're worried about her because she just that 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 she can't get past her own grief i i grieved for a month yeah she's been grieving on for 12 years now yeah no and and so there's the but that's so relative to, to the, the, the DSM, how does it handle you know, grief and anxiety and things that everybody, uh, everybody goes through? Um, and that's actually probably some things for in, your, in your realm as mm-hmm. a therapist, mm-hmm. nursing people back through, finding ways to get people to overcome their, uh, their, 
their conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that something that um, is considered to be something that that is? I'm assuming it's achievable. That that you can say, yeah, you can get rid of your grief. This 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 triggering element that causes it's like. Because as you're saying, also that you can layer that there are multiple con- kinds of conditions that can can be applied. Right. That 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 some grief could lead to paranoia. Mm-hmm. Some and paranoia could lead to schizophrenia, maybe. Or or is that something that's Sch- really schizophrenia um, is genetic. You okay. can't just get schizophrenia. Okay. Um, you can get substance abuse. Yep. Um, related schizophrenia. Okay. Um. But that's the symptoms. That's not really the diagnosis. Okay. I mean, but but schizophrenia, you that's that's genetic. Okay. Interesting. Mm. All right. Yeah. Uh, and you know the actually, I'm a little bit of a side segue here. Um, for the common horror trope of the maniac, mm-hmm. right? Um, that. The, the, they they often just kind of go to killing spree, mm-hmm. complete sociopath disorder. Is that um, my assumption? Is it's a thrilling simplification of you know that you very rarely you don't get you don't try and get into the mind of Michael Myers. In fact, that that it's like he's the shape, he's the other. He, right. They, they say he's 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 morphed. He, he, yeah. That, he that is, he's no longer human. Right. Right. Um, but Henry Porcher of a serial killer, which mm-hmm. is still, I don't know if I can go there. It's one, it's one of those movies that might be a bridge too far for me because it just it seems like it's so totally fair. Real. Um, what you know the the kinds of diagnosis from a pop from a pop psychology thing. It's like well, it's got to be you know paranoid schizophrenia. But he acts that, like he just he he the that from what I've seen of Henry, he is. Um, he's just cold and he doesn't have any, he, he has, he has his, his ability to judge right and wrong are completely right off or just, they just don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think, do, do you, do you ever, are you watching movies very often to try and figure out who, what those characters are or what they, what kinds of disorders they may have? Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, obviously, the first time I watch a movie, it's going to be like, oh, let's watch this movie. What's this movie about? But mm-hmm. if I've revisited a second or third time, I'm dissecting it. Yeah. Um, and especially if they're if they are absolutely dramatizing a mental illness, what a psychiatrist right. or a therapist yeah. is, I'm going to be like, no. Yeah. Um But but yeah, it, but diagnoses like that, again, are proper assessments. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, it's very complicated, but also the criminal mind is so fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Forensic psychology yep. is so fascinating um, because even through the track of serial killers or monsters or whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. they might have had a common, like, this is a psychopathic behavior. Mm-hmm. This is a sociopathic behavior. Right. Um, but no two of them are the yeah. exact same. Because when you when you said that uh, schizophrenia is um, genetic, mm-hmm. um, you know you hear quite often that uh, serial killers come from abusive backgrounds. Mm-hmm. That it's a learned, it's a learned experience, right? It's been beaten into them literally, mm-hmm. and uh, and that they that they're transposing their 
their pain and frustration and and all of a sudden that that's the that's the, that's their understanding of normal right is is punishment right through through battery mm-hmm. or worse right and um you know i think but so is that so those kinds of like so, so serial killers so you can't you can't label schizophrenia is not an easy label to apply Mm-mm. Uh, and, and and it's not like it, it's not a one size fits all. It's like you're crazy. That's schizophrenia. Mm, no, 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 no. Right. So yeah, I think that's one of those those uh, again pop psychology things that that as as a as a horror movie fan you tend to think they're crazy. It's got to be schizophrenia because it's easy to throw out. Mm-hmm. It's easy to 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 throw out a diagnosis. Because, you know, oh, they act like this. Oh, they act like this. Oh, they act like this. Well, not everything is as cut and dry as American Psycho. Right. I mean, American Psycho, that's pretty blatant. Yep. I mean, but not everything is cut and dry like that. And it's so easy for us to throw that. But but that's why I am such an advocate for proper assessment, mm-hmm. right? Because, but not all serial killers have come from an abusive background. Right. Some have come from very loving, caring family homes. I think John Wayne Gacy had that. I think... Maybe. Maybe. And also, uh, Bundy. Didn't Bundy come? He was adopted. I may be getting people mixed up. Yeah. I may... Okay. Okay. So, uh, Bundy was adopted and had a loving family uh, from all the reports that we have, right? Mm -hmm. So, this is what we're going on, what we know. But, yeah. And then it just... It comes down to... A question I don't ever think that's going to be answered in any community. Are people just born evil? Yeah. Can people just be born evil? I have no idea. You know, I mean, that's the ever-present question right. that, you know, we're not going to yeah. crack. Right. And they're, and, and also sort of defining, you know, the definition of evil. Because that there is... Yeah. That right. You can be evil and nonviolent and completely horribly destructive. Yeah. Just by being a manipulator. Yeah, well, like, narcissist. You know, yes, narcissistic so personality disorder. There you go. And that is, and that's in the DSM. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I think to to try and uh, wrap some of this stuff, I want to pitch some, and and you can tell me, and if you haven't if you haven't seen the movie, you can just say pass. Okay. Um, but have you seen The Wind? Pass. Okay, this just a little bit about The Wind. Yes, just tell, tell me, please. So this is it's a period drama, uh, a horror horror movie. Um, about uh, it's it's child loss, isolation, and loneliness. Oh where it's, wow! It's a, a woman who, uh, or it's a couple who move out into in late late nineteenth century. I think it's um, Colorado, mm-hmm. um, and they have one neighbor who's nearby. And uh, the movie opens with a suicide and a an emergency C section that fails. Oh dear! And so that's like okay. <laughs> we just got passed by yeah. a very scary troop of folks. Um, the, the so it's a haunted prairie thing where the you know the the husband of, uh, in in this this couple has to take the body of the baby and the wife and and mm. take take it to town, and so she's left alone on the prairie with the wind whipping through her cabin, mm. and she's hearing demons, and mm-hmm. um, and then it finds out there's a reveal. That, that that her environmental conditions had affected her badly, and that the story isn't what we thought it was. Oh, okay. Very interesting thing. That would be that 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 that's a two watch. You're giving me such a good list. I'm loving this. <laughs> Frailty. Yes, but it's been a long time. But we brought yeah. that up in the panel yesterday. Yeah. And so this is this is a case where um, Bill Paxton is again 
he's hearing, he, he's getting messages from God. Right. That the people around him. Right. Are demons. Right. Is that, what would, what would that indicate? And he's, he's also trying to get his children to, his boys to follow in his footsteps to help him eliminate these these demons by essentially capturing their neighbors right. them in the basement and exercising them through death. Right. <laughs> so what would what what kind of a diagnosis would you apply to do you think to that character? Okay, this is spitfiring again. Yes. These aren't proper assessments, that's this right. is spitfire. So asterisk. <laughs> um that's definitely delusion. Um yeah. it could be could be part of religious trauma. Like I would have to know, hey, it's, did you have religious trauma in your background, right? Um, but I, it could could be schizophrenia. But again, it, he would have to have way other markers than just, right. hey, I'm hearing voices. So right. that seems more delusional, okay, than anything. Have you seen Daniel isn't real? No. Okay, this is Miles Robbins, son of Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. Oh, sweet. And Patrick Schwarzenegger, son of. Somebody you might know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a um, the imaginary friend. Okay. Where uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger is the imaginary friend Daniel mm-hmm. of uh, Miles uh, of Miles Robbins' character Charlie. Okay. There, Charlie is now an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the 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 imaginary friend has been telling him to do like he's always been one to sort of make him be mischievous. Okay. But now it's becoming dangerous. Okay. Where does the imaginary friend fall in the scale of... And it, it also morphs into suggestions that Daniel might not just be... Daniel isn't real. He's also a demon. But mm. that might be in his... That might be in Charlie's mind. What kind of a... What... The, the, the imaginary best friend, where does that fall on the scale? Well, a lot of times, especially in, you said this came from childhood to adulthood. Yes, they, 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 that he had it. His childhood friend. He managed to vet, he he managed to to get rid of Daniel. The the and he managed to to um, cope with it and right. put him away in his in the in, and but then he returns as a twenty something early twenties. He, he returns. Okay. So a lot of times kids make up imaginary friends as coping skills sure. and coping mechanisms, whether it be for loneliness, whether it be escapism from abuse. Um, they're bullied at school. I need a friend. They make up an imaginary friend. But, yeah, this could be a couple of things. Again, it could be just a delusional. It could just be a coping skill gone awry. Mm-hmm. This could just be a manifestation of all of his thoughts, you know, you know the other side of him. And he's personifying it. Right. Yeah. Uh, we talked about hereditary. Yes. Um, and with with the various, so this is this is straight up grief. Yeah. And PTSD to a certain degree. Right. I mean, it's a if a traumatic stressing event is a death in the family. It absolutely could be. Um, so with these. But granted, there is also sort of a demon in play. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and of course, we're doubling down as things get worse. When when Charlie hits the telephone pole, Annie goes just that like double triggered. This one's this, this one's the shotgun trigger. Right. Right. Um, how how would you? What what are the? What are the conditions that that would stack? Like you start out with grief, mm-hmm. and then. But the next, that next level up from, is there something more than grief that is in play 
once all of a sudden you, you just you, you've taken a second second shot to the mind what would that might likely be like a super grief no. yeah <laughs> that's not a thing um <laughs> just wanted to clarify oh, damn. just wanted to clarify just um well you know gr- grief can't always be exacerbated right but grief can as you said before it can lead to severe depression anxiety yep. paranoia it can lead you know it, it can be a gateway emotion if you want to call it that. But um, does grief lead to psychosis? I don't know. That, that, it, 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 there's a possibility, yeah. I'm and sure. I, I, and, and this but, is one of those kind of cases where I don't think it necessarily does. Um, right. Because I think the, the, the demonic possession really takes over at a certain point. And then, right. then, and then the, all bets are off. But up to that point, because mm-hmm. um, there, was, there were some things where, uh, like the desperation mania... That Annie has of like I'm going to try this summoning routine to right. s- to bring bring Charlie back. Right. Um, that is, um, it's ma- it, it's certainly manic, and it might be you know a, a, a reaction to depression. And it's right. like this is my this is my out. I think I found my solution, and it was just by grasping at straws. Right. Exactly. So, um, uh, I think I mentioned this to you, and I don't know that you, you now you said you hadn't seen the lodge. I couldn't remember, and you you started to tell me, and then we got interrupted, yeah, the, so I couldn't remember. Okay, so this I want to say yes, I did. This is um, Riley Keough, mm-hmm. Elvis's granddaughter, right? Is the lead, and uh, she is the survivor of a cult abduction. And, oh, that's right. Um, and she is the she is the, was the patient of Richard Armitage, uh, his character Richard. Uh, he falls in love with her. Ditches his wife Alicia Silverstone, who kills herself. Mm-hmm. He, his two children, and his new his new bride to be go to a lodge in the woods. He he lets them be for a while and says, "Get to know each other." Heads away. Mm-hmm. Awful awful thing to do. Right, with kids who don't kids who are grieving the loss of their mother. Right, they don't trust uh grace right Riley keogh's character because they found out that she belonged to a cult so they think that automatically she's evil right grace is trying to do her best but she's struggling right if you are the survivor this is another one of those kind of nature versus nurture kind of kind of oh there you go yeah um if if you've been captured and abducted and and conditioned right what is what? How would you diagnose somebody who's been sort of like the like the brainwashing, for example? Right. What is that? Oh, that is that is definitely a higher level than me. Okay. <laughs> that I mean, literally, because that's multiple layers. Yes. And that is that is trauma. That is, well, yeah, that's religious it's religious trauma because mm-hmm. a lot a lot of cults are religious. Very, based. very much so. Yes. So that's religious trauma on uh, PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you, you have to kind of work with that client to, to say, okay, well, you know, this is true. This is not true. This is true to you. You know, do you want to still accept that? Do you want to get over it? I mean, because, and it's, it's a lot of work because they're programmed to believe this and this is what they believe. And then, you know, even though they might go through the process of healing and therapy and medication, if they, if they need it, mm-hmm. they might go through all this, but it, yeah. it can still linger. Yeah. And, and I think one of the key things, and again, highly recommend the lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, and I'm going to have, I'm going to bring up another movie. Um, but it's about your support systems, right? 
Oh, and, so and, so important. And and um, and in this case, the support system went back home because he thought, and and he should know better because he's a psychologist. Yeah, a psychiatrist actually. So, um, he should know better than to leave this particular person with these, with his two children who are traumatized by the loss of their mother and right. are distrustful. Right. And they start, they start pranking her. They start doing all kinds of things just to try and they're, they're trying to drive her. They are trying to drive her out of the lodge. Right. Um, it doesn't go well. Right. So that's one for you to watch. Check okay. that one out. Yeah. That, um, I, every time you talk about it, I yeah. swear I've seen it. But yeah. I mean, it's not. Yeah. But I'll watch it again. Um, did you now remind me? Did you see Identity? John Cusack. Uh, yes. Where they're going to a roadside motel and all there's like there's. Eleven yes. characters. Yes. And, yes. 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 And um, and it turns out they aren't who we think that they are. Right. Because they are all personalities of one man who's being put on, who's 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 on death row, and uh, the the lawyers have come in to try and and spare this right. man's life because it's they say his 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 control is not his own. He's got one of these characters. Right. Is if if we can purge that character, if we can get that char- that, that that personality out of his system and go to one of his safe personalities, he is somebody who should be spared. Right. They pick the wrong person. Right. <laughs> but what is the, I'm assuming that's dissociative identity disorder. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you don't. I call me call me a dummy. I didn't see that coming. I didn't. I I was like, um, I, I thought it was like. Wow, this is all very strange. It's kind of a ghost story thing. What is this other side plot with the prisoner thing? Mm-hmm. What does this have to do with it? When it comes in and you go, oh, okay. And then you see all of these other mechanisms where these people have their, like, their, they have the same birthday. Right. They have, they have names that are associated with, with different states. That, that there, there are kinds of little elements and you're going, oh, okay. The, these are markers that he has placed right. in, his, in his mind. Does that... Right. Did, did that did that ring more as kind of just fun or are those kinds of things that are elements that you would that that you might see in someone who's got dis, uh, uh, dissociative identity disorder? Well, DID is still a very much debated even in the the therapeutic community as is it a real diagnosis? Is it not? It's still debated, but uh I for one believe it because I've seen it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm all like, yeah. So, um it it, it could very well be traits Again, is it a little over dramatized? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but you, if we're talking about DID, you know, we're going to go to Split. Mm-hmm. And again, I think James McAvoy did a wonderful job with how he portrayed all these different characters. Acting but, showcase for the for the first two thirds of the movie. Oh, just totally, and 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 the. And the addressing of it and anything, but again, hit in the miss mm-hmm. because, you know, M. Night Shyamalan is like, <laughs> again, he was just so close. And then all of a sudden, okay, super beast. And I'm, I'm like, you know, um, <laughs> you can't just have the super beast. I mean, right. now. He, he was scary enough as it was just to have the, the, his aggressive mean persona was bad enough. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it wasn't necessary. He just, it, and, yeah. Oh, again, hit, hit it and miss. Too much frosting on the cake, Emma. <laughs> like, I mean, calm like, down. That's right. <laughs> I think I think you, you 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 overloaded. Okay, another movie that I mentioned to you, and we'll we'll wrap up here shortly. Okay. Um, that I again, this is on your to do to do list. Okay. This is Repulsion. That's right. Um, Roman Polanski's uh, 1964 film. It's his first English language film. This is. Uh, Catherine Deneuve mm-hmm. playing Carol, who is, um, she's a woman who has fear. She's, she has what appears to be an irrational fear of being raped. Mm-hmm. Um, to it has not been established that she has suffered from any incident. Mm-hmm. Um, that that, but she is distrustful of all men. Mm-hmm. I think that there may be some suggestions she, she might have been abused by. An adult when she was a child. Okay. There, there, there are hints of that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but this is another classic case of where her she had she has a support system of her coworkers and her sister who she lived with, and as she starts beginning to get more reclusive, they pull rather than trying to work with her, they run away from her, mm-hmm. and or they say maybe you should just go home for a while. The mm-hmm. workers say why don't you why don't you rest it off? You're tired. Yeah. Um, and her sister goes, I can't handle this shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to France with my boyfriend. Mm. And the boyfriend says, she's a weirdo. I can't handle it. And, mm. and so she's left alone to her own devices. Mm-hmm. And then arms come out of the wall and start trying to grope her. Yeah. And then the, the, there's a, but she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So she attracts men who want to date her. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to get away. And she reacts really badly to that, violently badly to it. What is... What kind of a condition might that, like, this is, of course, <laughs> the shotgun, like, quick, you got to. Oh, yeah, totally. It's rapid like, fire. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, if this is abuse, if there is established abuse in the past, I could I could totally understand the the caution, the paranoia, maybe some social anxiety. Yeah, very anxiety. This is this is like top like anxiety horror. Yeah, above yeah. Else. That's where it starts. That's totally evident. Yeah, it's it's kind of it, it's kind of crap that all her support system left, but there's a such thing as caregiver burnout. Yeah. So I mean, again, for people, there's only so much that we will either allow ourselves to give or can give, and you know, I mean, it, it's understandable, but again. It's sad. It's yeah. it's caregiver burnout. So that's uh, that is still my favorite when it comes to psychological horror. Okay. Um, and I think uh, it is a really quiet, powerful performance. But Catherine Deneuve, I've said this a number of times on my podcast, so they, mm. everybody knows that I'm that I'm a fan of this. But um, I wanted to say thank you so much for actually sharing your wisdom even in this kind of rapid fire kind of oh kinda, yeah kinda, i hope kinda, i did good yeah <laughs> no i loved it and, and, and because again um you know i think we've we ask ourselves at the scariest things why why we do what we do why are we why do we love horror movies so much why is there a big community of watching the horrible things happening to to good people yes right there's that there's something cathartic about it mm-hmm. um there's something sometimes empowering about it. There's sometimes sometimes you just need to get to get it out of your system and you Yes. And sometimes like with something like the Lodge or something like Hereditary, sometimes getting punched in the gut and leaving kind of hollowed out makes you really think about things. Babadook yep. is another one where it makes you kind of go, hmm, you know, maybe maybe I should, you know, like when when you're feeling 
feeling sad about stuff. And there's the question about, you know, grief. When, when you go from, again, grief to depression, and certainly in Babadook, that happens. Yeah. It's interesting that the little boy comes back, the little, the little weird kid comes back and rescues mom from her own depression because they're, they're inextricably linked. Right. So, anyways, um, uh, Terry, why don't, can you can you explain if people want to if if they had questions about or would you be willing? I guess because I noticed that there were some people who were at our at our panel who were very interested in actually contacting you about stuff. Is that something that, that like if do you do you have your own uh, own practice where you take take uh, open um, uh, client, uh, clients or yeah patients? yeah um, I don't have all the information right now, but I could give it to you. You put it on okay put it on information and website but yeah i'd be but um you're you're based out of portland yes uh so i'm only licensed in washington right. so i can only work with people that are located in well, washington we have a number of we, we have a number of seattle seattle fans in fact our previous interview with uh, with crystal she's a seattleite so there's a we're, we're we are we are expanding our our network of connections and so yeah but i'd i'd, yeah. I'd be honored and more than happy to share my uh share my information with you okay well and i'm uh, needless to say i'm very looking forward to uh, our conversation later tonight, yes. and you have a panel that's happening in about an hour and a half. Uh, yeah. Thirty minutes, yeah. Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. I got to get you out of yeah. here. <laughs> so, Terry, thank you so much. Thank once you again. so much, Eric. This was so great. It's been okay. such a pleasure. Okay.